Hey guys, I just wanted to quickly preface this episode of the podcast by saying that it wasn't able to go up on the day I wanted it to go up, which was Thursday, January 28th. It is now Friday, January 29th, a date which Matthew and I refer to a lot during this episode. So I just wanted to let you know every time he says tomorrow, uh, it's actually today, January 29th on Friday. So yeah, that's all I had to say. Thank you. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to episode four of the Informal Education Podcast. Today with me, I have my good friend, Matthew, who is a real fanatic when it comes to investments, the stock market, and the economy. Matthew, how's it going? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me here today. No worries, buddy. So obviously, we're going to mention GameStop and what's going on with that in today's news. This week, we've been hearing a lot about you know, Wall Street bets, what's shorting, what's going on with the stock market, why are all these people losing and making money? So, you know, what do you know about that whole kind of fiasco? Yeah, so if you've been watching the stock market within the past couple of days, you've definitely noticed, you know, companies like GameStop that have been just going crazy. The stock price is going to the moon and a lot of people are wondering why. Well, the fact of the matter is when it comes to the stock market, you have really good companies and you have really poor companies. GameStop, for example, is one of those poor companies. Whether it comes down to the fact that they have a poor business model that can't sustain itself or they just have poor financials that you know, uh, won't, won't work in the future and they just don't have enough money in the bank uh, to sustain the company, they're destined to fail. They're destined to go bankrupt eventually. Not, not to so mention that their, is, their big market was uh, off of selling uh, video games, which now obviously most people are opting to buy digitally and online. Whereas, you know, GameStop's mm-hmm. whole thing was going there and buying the disc, oh, that, which, you know, no one really does. Anymore. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, you, you notice the same pattern with so many companies, you know, they have their peak, you know, I, you can, you can definitely look back to like 2000, you know, 2002, all the way to 2010, everyone was buying these games. GameStop was huge. One of the biggest, you know, biggest video game corporations in all of North America, I would say. Um, and it's the same. Eventually, there's just a new technology that takes over. You know, you look at Apple way back when Apple was just a small company. And then you have, you know, somebody like IBM who really owned the market. They own the corporate computer world. But then you have somebody like Apple come in with a new innovative and sleek product that just takes over. So now we're seeing people moving to digital games. Nobody goes to GameStop anymore to buy their games. They, it's just so much easier to buy from the Xbox store, buy from the PlayStation, you know, wherever you're buying it from. It's just more convenient and it's, you know, at the end of the day, you can, you can save money. And so what's been happening is a lot of people have noticed like this GameStop thing, like this isn't going to work. You know, this company isn't going to sustain itself 20 years down the road. So what people do to these companies is it's called shorting. They're shorting the stock. And for the past, you know, year and a half, GameStop has been shorted like crazy. And what that means is basically people are borrowing the stock at a higher price to eventually buy it back at a lower price. So before this whole, you know, crazy, this crazy raise to like $300 a a share, wherever it's at, GameStop was trading at, you know, 10 to $15. So hedge funds, a lot of major hedge funds, which is basically just a collection of normal investors like me and you who pool our money together to, to give it to somebody who, who knows how to invest better than us. We just, we basically just pool all of our money. So it's just this this big collection of billions of dollars um, in these, they're called hedge funds. And, and Melvin Capital is definitely the big name with his GameStop short the position. So they say, what they say is at $15 a share, we're going to borrow, you know, 
you know, 100 million shares of GameStop and we're going to buy it back when it hits $5. So when it hits $5, we're going to buy it back and we're going to make the difference, which in that scenario would be $10. So they make $10 a share for that difference. And then they pay off their, their hedge funds, all of their individual investors, and they make huge gains for themselves. But there's, a, there's, a, there's another side to shorting a stock. This stock, um, GameStop, was the most shorted stock of any company uh, ever for the past year and a half. In fact, it was shorted over 100% to 138% of all the shares, which means that more shares were shorted on GameStop than actually existed outstanding for the public to buy. And, and, and so what happened was, you know, so many people are shorting this company that um, a, these Wall Street guys come together and they're like, we see an opportunity here. Like there's so many people shorting this company, 130%. Like this is absurd that, you know, BlackBerry was second place with 60%, you know, of their shares shorted. So these Wall Street guys come together, or I shouldn't say the Wall Street guys, these Reddit individuals come together on this group called Wall Street Bets. And, and, and it's basically just like your, you know, your Reddit group at the time, it only had like one, one to two you know, million members. Obviously it's grown to like 6 million now today, but these guys came together and they're like, you know what happens when a stock starts to go up, the shorts get scared, right? Because the shorts want like the people shorting the stock, these big hedge funds with billions of dollars want the stock to go down, right? So if it goes up, there's, there's two things they can do. They can realize losses or they can buy back shares. You might have heard the term short squeeze. What a short squeeze is, is basically a large number of short traders having to buy back the stock. So, you know, if you want to look back at the, at the chart here, GameStop was at nothing. We're talking like $30 to $40 a share only a couple weeks ago. But all of a sudden, these Reddit guys start start putting everything into the company, like just an influx of cash. They're just injecting it, which has honestly basically never happened in the history of the markets. Like it's so rare to see just normal investors like me and you, like you and I just coming together and injecting this much cash. And there was, and, and they didn't need to put like in the grand scheme of things in the billions of dollars of these corporations have, they really didn't need to put that much because their injection of, you know, whatever it may be, maybe the volume was 100 million shares, maybe it was 200 million shares, maybe it, was it doesn't really matter. As long as they push that number up five to $10, you start getting the short sellers buying their shares back. So the short sellers who have been shorting this thing for the past year and a half are, are buying back their shares because they don't want to see these losses. The stock goes up $10, they lose $10 a share, right? Because when you're short on a position, it's the opposite of when you're in the stock. So if you're short and the stock goes up $10, you lose $10 a share. If you're, if you're actually in, invested in the company and the stock goes up $10 a share, you make $10 a share. So as this short, as the, as these Reddit, you know, these Reddit wall street bets, people start pushing the stock up, these major hedge funds start buying it back and buying it back. And then you have this crazy volume where in one single day, uh, I'm like January 26, January 27, you have a stock go from $30 to, you know, $300 a share. Like, you know, you're looking at gains of 340% in, in, you know, a matter of hours, which is unprecedented. But I mean, at the end of the day, we learned something important and it's something that has never happened in, in the history of, of the investing books. And that is that you can actually fight back against these major hedge funds and these major, you know, corporations that have these billions of dollars in short positions that are betting against this GameStop. When you have 
like, un, you know, you have an, a large number of just individual retail investors like you and I pool our funds together and try to take them down. Now, a lot of people have been talking about how, you know, it's the, the people on Wall Street have just been abusing this system for so long to make money that while there are people complaining, uh, mainly just the, the Wall Street, the Wall Street people that have been shorting for so many years are complaining that, oh, this is wrong what the Wall Street bet on Reddit is, is doing and whatnot. Do you, think, do you think that they're just abusing the system, how it's been abused by these rich people? rich people this whole time. I mean, it seems like it's only a problem for these Wall Street people now that now that the average the average person is profiting off of their broken mm-hmm. system. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, here's the fact of the matter. Um a couple of days ago was the big day when we saw GameStop fly to the moon. And what happened was when when people saw GameStop going up, they realized this might happen in other in other positions. This might happen to companies like BlackBerry who have short positions of 66%, you know, or companies like Nokia who have huge, all these crappy companies, like absolute garbage. People said, let's start putting our funds there. But you know what? The Wall Street guys, they don't make the same mistake twice. When they lose once, they're not losing again because they have so much on the line, so much to lose. So today was, a, was actually a monumental day in history for all of investing. Because at about you know twelve o'clock today, um, the Robinhood, which uh, if you don't know what Robinhood is, it's one of the biggest uh, brokerage platforms for individual investors to buy stocks in because there's no commission fees and anybody can do it. So you might ask, like, how do I invest in a stock? And until only a couple of years ago, it was actually pretty complicated. Like, you needed to get yourself set up with, uh, you know, you would go like TD Ameritrade or some other big you know, Charles Schwab, some other big corporation, some other brokerage, or you would just call somebody directly, but they charge high fees and, and, you know, you need to sign a lot of paperwork. Like it's hard to do, but now we have apps like Robinhood. We have app, apps like uh, Wealth Simple in Canada. And literally you need like an email and a bank account and you can buy shares. So Robinhood was fueling the Reddit Wall Street bets, uh, you know, funding because none of like all these guys, you know, you have to remember, I'm sure a lot of them are are putting in like thousands and thousands of share orders, but the big bulk of the orders is like five to 10 shares. It's just so many people that it can make a difference. So these five to 10 shares, whatever here and there, we're all going through on Robinhood. Today, Robinhood shut down trading. They they only allowed you to sell shares of GameStop, shares of Nokia, shares of BlackBerry, all these corporations that frankly have been abused by wall street for so many years because if you think about it shorting a position is abuse on its own if you short a position of gamestop you're basically you're basically betting against a stock that you don't even own you're just borrowing it from someone else that right there is corrupt but wall street's been doing it for forever basically so the reddit guys are really trying to fight back against that but it really got bad today when the the trading got shut down because all of these big wall street guys kept going you know they kept selling their shares they kept pushing the price down and all of us individuals out here you know out here on the street buying our five to ten shares we couldn't do anything because our platforms were closed down the question we're asking right now is why were they shut down is it because the hedge funds were losing billions and and they called their guys up and they're like okay close this down because some of these like melvin capital uh, they, so a lot of these major headphones, they, they have connections with Robinhood. We can talk a little bit more about Robinhood later if you want and how they actually make money as a company. 
by charging no commission. But to simplify things, Robinhood is heavily sustained by these hedge funds and these brokerages and these indexes. An index is basically like the New York Stock Exchange, uh, sorry, like the Dow Jones, S&P 500, like these big collections of major uh, companies. All of these different elements of the stock market fund Robinhood. So when things like GameStop happen, Robinhood, Robinhood doesn't lose money, but all of these companies lose money. These hedge funds lose yeah. money. So did they, did they collude with Robinhood and say, you know what? Like we need to shut the trading down. We can't let this happen. Maybe, I don't know. Or was it a matter of Robinhood just st- sticking with the regulations of the SEC? Some people think they, they closed the trading down because people were, were going to lose so much damn money. Like, if you're buying GameStop at $300 a share, I- I'm sorry. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, like, you're screwed. Like, I will tell you straight up, like, not as advice or anything, but I would just, I w- 300 like, GameStop is not, a, like, like, a whatever, two, $200 billion company, you know? Like, it's not worth, a, a, like, 20% of Apple. It's like, actually it's, in the Fortune 500 right now, which is so like, funny. That it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, it's crazy to see. But when this, look, the internet moves faster than anything else in the world. Two, three months down the road, I don't think anybody's going to be talking about the GameStop, that their their thousand dollar GameStop position. You know, it's going to be all fun and games for the next couple of weeks. Talk to me next year. Talk to me about your big GameStop position next year. It's going to be worth nothing. Robinhood gets screwed when people like lose crazy amounts because if you buy in at three hundred on Robinhood and then sell at four dollars a share, you know what's going to happen? And you put your life savings on the line. You're suing Robinhood so hard because they didn't give you any information about anything. All they asked for was an email, a password, and a bank account. Nothing else. So the lawsuits going at them are going to be through the roof. That seems but, like um, it could have been avoided with a with a terms and agreements. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, you you know they have pages and pages of terms and agreements, but it doesn't matter. Like they'll, no they'll get sued that. so hard, left, right, and center. And that is the question. Did, did they shut down the trading because they were afraid of getting sued? And they thought, you know what? We're going to get sued now because they're getting sued right now for shutting down the trading. Like theoretically, they're manipulating the market by taking away buy orders and only allowing sellers. Like if you look, if you actually want to look at the GameStop like chart from today, which would be January, what, like, January 28th, uh, 2020, at, at about 12 2021. PM, 2021, pardon me. Uh, something around like 12 p.m., you'll just see a massive drop in GameStop. A, pe- a couple of people asked me today, they're like, what, what, what happened GameStop? Like, why did it just drop at 12? What do you think happens when you can only sell a share, but you can't buy it? The supply and demand goes, goes out of whack and everybody's trying to sell their shares because they're scared to hell that nobody's buying the stock and they just want to get out of there as fast as possible. So the stock dropped like, what are we, 50% or something? In a matter of hours, because nobody could buy the thing. Nobody was buying the stock. The stock goes up when people buy. It goes down when people sell, right? If more people want to sell than buy, it goes down. More people want to buy than sell, goes up. Nobody's buying. The stock goes down. And just to, just to close on this point here, after hours today, Robinhood made an announcement that tomorrow they're going to reopen trading for these shares. What happens? After hours, the stock's up 60 bucks, up like 25%. Why? Because all these people who couldn't buy today have their, have their fingers ready for 9 a.m. or 9.30 a.m. tomorrow morning when they're just going to storm into the market. Now, uh, what's your theory behind uh, Robinhood? Because I know you just you said a couple things that they might that, that might be the cause of why they uh, 
kind of shut that yeah, down. Personally, I, do you think it's uh it's Wall Street corruption? Personally, I, I don't. Like that's a pretty obvious answer. I know, I know. And and you know what the fact of the matter is? A lot of these these Reddit guys, they wanna they wanna point fingers, right? Like they're losing they're losing money. When the stock goes from when they buy a stock at four hundred and it goes to, you know, one ninety or whatever it is, they point fingers because you have to blame like everyone wants to blame somebody. Um, but the truth is Robinhood is a company that just wages risk. There was risk if they closed it down now, but they, they decided that if they didn't close anything down, there would be more risk when everybody loses like, like millions, you know, like there are people with position, you look through the Reddit chat yourself, like there are positions seven, eight to 10 million, like in this, in this company. And, you know, at the end of the day, companies will always return to their fundamental value. Like the market will just work itself out. You might have crazy events like this, but GameStop is still GameStop. You know, it's still GameStop. It's not like, like, it's not like there's this, this mad, magic wand and all of a sudden it's not GameStop. Like it's, it's, it's a crappy company and it's going to go back to 20, $30 a share. Maybe it takes a week. Maybe it takes a month. Maybe it takes a year, but Robinhood knows that it's going to return. So Robinhood's saying, you know, we're going to get some lashback now, like some major lashback. But if it, if it stops people from buying, then, then we're, we're saving ourselves in the future from all, like, you know, everybody coming at us. So personally, I think, I don't think it's the Wall Street guys. Um, I do think they, they did have some implications on this. But if we're talking specifically about the trading platforms, I think they did it on their own. Now, this, uh, this Wall Street bets Reddit isn't at all something new. I mean, there have been people on there investing and trying to do stuff like this for, for years. It's just they either end up making you know, a little cash back or, or losing a lot of money. And this time, it just uh, by some chance, I mean, I really don't know how, how many people got this memo or how the message was sent out so quickly. Again, as you said, the internet is a very fast motive of transport for information. So it, I guess it just got out and people... Uh, yeah, I mean, I will. We're able to do this. I mean, it was pretty cool to see uh, just normal people on the internet mm-hmm. troll, you know, big, big economy. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think it got some, some, some major feedback from some big, you know, people in power like Elon Musk. What is he like, the richest person in the world now? Like, he's fully backing this project. You know, Mark Cuban. Like, there's some big names that are really backing this thing. AOC and Ted Cruz. Uh, they actually you know, politicians, they, they actually came together on Twitter and uh, they agreed on this being a, a good thing, which is, I mean, it's so crazy that this was able to make two people who are notoriously always against each other in terms of politics come together. So I, I think the, the general, you know, the general populace is backing this because it's just, it's the average Joe going up against the rich, the rich guys up, you know, up on mm-hmm. the top of the mountain, mm-hmm. which is, you know, no. good to see. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I'll, I'll just reiterate what I mentioned earlier real quick about that short squeeze, because that's really important. Like what you have to remember here is this won't happen to just any company. Like people would be like, let's go fly out to like Nokia over here because the company's a piece of crap. You know, nobody buys Nokia phones. This happened because GameStop was shorted so much. No company uh, like at all is, has, you know, was shorted as much as GameStop was at 138%. So like I mentioned earlier, the major move that happened here wasn't really the Reddit guys. Like they fueled the start, but the real movement was from all of these big corporations buying the shares, right? 
So that that's important too. Now, just obviously from this entire conversation, it's pretty clear to see that you're heavily invested in investment and, you know, it, it's clear to see that you, you know what you're talking about. You, you research this stuff a lot. How did you, how did you get into this stuff? Yeah. Uh, so the fact of the matter is when I, you know, when I was younger, you know, a couple of years ago and I, I started making a little bit of money, I, I realized, you know, I was taught, I was very fortunate because I was taught that there's actually something you can do with money and that's put it into a bank account. You know, if somebody gives you a $20 bill, some people might think that that $20 bill is just going to be $20 forever. What I learned is that I could actually put it into a bank account and earn interest on that $20, which to me, and I think to a lot of people is revolutionary. You know, you can you, you can make money for doing absolutely nothing by just owning a, an interest, uh, by owning a bank account and just earning interest on that. So, you know, whatever I had saved up for my whole life, I put into my bank account and I started, you know, accruing interest. So every year I would get like one to 2% uh, interest on my money. So if I had like a thousand dollars, you know, I'd get a $20 bill every year. It was nothing crazy, but I realized that the more you the more you save up, the more you earn an in interest, right? If you have a thousand dollars and you're earning two percent interest, you get twenty bucks. You know, uh, you go to uh, ten thousand dollars, two hundred bucks. Like it just multiplies as you go. Now, with, I, with investing in banks, it's really a waiting game. You know, as some investments are absolutely investing and, and in, like, in stocks, you might get a lot of money. Uh, fairly right. quickly if you make the right yeah. but the bank is, is something you really have to sit on for years but then at the yeah. end you do because it it's exponential you make up mm -hmm. more and more and like all investing i mean it's risk reward banks have very low risk like it you know it, it's a lot more unlikely that the banks are going to go under than your GameStop shares for example yeah um but but what i learned was you know especially when this uh covid crisis hit um, the government controls the interest rates. So the interest rates change. I didn't know that. For what, what I learned growing up was that um, we have a 2% interest rate in place and 2% is what I'll get for the rest of my life, whatever I earn. Um, but when COVID hit, they had to lower the interest rates to 0.25%. Uh, and, and we can talk more about why this, this is important because the interest rates that the country puts is actually uh, very significant and it can have implications on uh, like the financial success and sustainability of an entire government. We look at countries like Venezuela and um, that, you know, countries that, that interest rates have just gone through the roof. And their and money has, isn't like, worth the paper it's printed on. Right. It's an absolute disaster. Um, but they lowered interest rates. Why did they lower interest rates? Because they need people borrowing money. Uh, they need more money circulating through the economy. It makes sense. They're going to lower the rate. What, what happens though is when they lower the rates, it's great for people borrowing because if you buy, like, you know, if you're getting a mortgage, you have these crazy low rates. People like me who are just out here trying to save are screwed because 0.25%, that's pennies. Like what, we're talking pennies, you know? Like even if, even if you have like 100,000 saved in the bank, like you're making pennies. So I decided, all right, there's something I have to do. I need to move out. So, so what I then learned was stocks actually pay something called a dividend. And a dividend is basically an interest payment. So instead of the bank paying you your interest, a stock can pay you your interest. So, you know, you can look at different companies around. Apple pays a really small interest, a uh, small dividend, sorry, of like 0.5%. Um, so some are, are pretty, you know, pretty fractional, um, pretty small. But a lot of the banks, a lot of the stable companies pay pretty decent uh, interest yields. 
so I stumbled upon this company called Brookfield Properties, and they're um, they're, they're they're like one of the biggest um, like uh, they own retail locations, they own like the BMO building downtown, they own some buildings in New York. Um, it's a pretty stable business. Like they, they own some pretty good assets. So they're, they have cash, um, in the bank and they have some good pieces, some assets to sell off if things go poorly and they paid a 10% interest yield that blew my mind. Like, uh, to any individual, like, uh, if you start looking into dividend payments and interest, uh, I always tell people compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world, like straight up. Um, because when you discover how it works, uh, it really will like change your life because you'll learn that that 1000 that you earned, you know, wherever it may be, work a summer job, right? That 1000 that you earned isn't just 1000. You can turn that into 10. You can turn that into a hundred thousand. It takes time. It takes time. But as long as you keep adding to the pile, you keep, you keep accruing larger and larger earnings. Right. And at the end of the day, that's, that's safe. That's financial, like that's financial success. Like that's, that's what you have to do to sustain yourself. Um, especially to fight back against inflation. Uh, what, what is inflation? Inflation is basically the value of your currency declining over time because things get more expensive, right? Over time, as the economy grows, things just get more expensive. People have more buying power. You know, like if I have $100, you know, if, if everyone has $100 and they're looking to buy an iPhone, they can't charge $2,000 for that iPhone. They can charge $100 because that's all people have. But if people suddenly have $200, they can move that price up because people have more money. So people get paid more, prices go up, prices go up, people want more money, people want, you know, people get more money, prices go up, like it's come see, come sell, like it just keeps going. So um, to fight back against the, your currency being worth less, you have to, you have, the analogy I like to make is, is money is like soldiers. If you have a, a, you know, if you have a big army of soldiers, but you just hold them in a tent, you don't move them. Nothing happens. You lose the battle. But if you if you put that army to work and you start moving out the soldiers, Kevin O'Leary uses this analogy too. You start putting the soldiers in strategic positions. They they will they will actually multiply and grow and maybe even bring in more soldiers for your own team. You know, and that's ultimately the goal. You just want to keep building, keep growing, uh, and 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 find success. Now you said you. Uh... You're very fond of BP, and you—that's a—that's a company you've invested in. What's your what's your system for deciding where you want to put your money? I mean, you know, yeah, do you look into uh, what they're doing, what their future could be. How do you, how do you go by that? Yeah, I mean, this really comes to you know comes to light when we look at a situation like GameStop again. To keep going back, uh, there's there's a difference between investing and trading, right? That's what you have to remember. When it comes to investing, if you've ever seen like Shark Tank or uh, Dragon's Den, you'll know what investing is. They, they, they make a pitch. And if the, if the panel doesn't like the pitch, they say no, they don't give them the money. But if they like the pitch and they like the company, they buy in. Do you think any of that's happening in Reddit and Wall Street? You think any of them are looking at GameStop and like, damn, I like this company. I'm going it. None of that's happening. That's called trading. That's looking at charts and saying, hmm, the chart's up 25%. Why not another 25%? I see 50 tonight, right? But investing is looking at financials, fundamentals, and the quality of the company. You look at a company like, like Apple, for example. Everyone knows Apple. You have your iPhone. You say, I love this iPhone. You know, I've had, I've had an iPhone since I was six years old. I still use it today. It's great. That's one sign I look for when I'm buying a company. 
Do they create a product that I support? Do they create a product that I like? Do they create a product that I think is going to sustain itself in the future? Then you do a little due diligence. You don't have to get fancy at the start. All you have to do is see if the company's making money. It's, you know, it's, it's something you really want to see with a company you're looking to invest in because companies that lose money regularly are at risk um, of going bankrupt if they you know, can't continue to raise capital. You look at a lot of these major companies, we've talked about this so many times before, like, like Tesla, like Spotify, these guys are barely earning any money because they're trading on the fact that maybe in the future, oh, it's such a good business, they'll make money one day, but who cares now? We'll trade with what they're going to be like in the future. Um, I, I get that. Like I would invest in those companies too. Like they're, they're great companies. They're going to make a lot of money one day. Um, but I really want to see a company that has strong fundamentals, a company that, you know, that makes money, I, I would hope, and a company that I really support. And, you know, if, if it's a product that you really use day to day, that's even better because you can really back that. You know, you can tell yourself every day, like even if the stock goes down, that's the best thing about investing. You know, when I like when I'm investing, when I'm legitimately investing and I see my stocks going down. I'm not worried because I know these are great companies. If I'm invested in GameStop or BlackBerry or like, I don't know, any of these other, you know, pieces of garbage and it goes down, like I get worried because I know it's, it's fundamentally weak. The financials just can't sustain the stock price. Mm -hmm. But if I know inside that the company's worth more than it is, or the company is truly great, I will not get scared whether the price is up or whether the price is down because I know that it's going to succeed one day. Now, I remember back when uh, maybe even, I don't know, late middle school, early high school, uh, you had invested into Under Armour. Is that right? That was when Under Armour was huge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember yeah. you would only wear Under Armour, like maybe not only, but you would wear a lot of Under Armour, which I think is really interesting because obviously, you know, you, you are making profit from Under Armour doing well. So, I mean, I guess it would obviously make sense for you to contribute to Under Armour doing well. And that was, that was smart because Under Armour was really big and then you sold it and now Under Armour is nowhere. Yeah. I mean, a lot of investing is like tracking the trends, you know, looking at what people are going to be into in the future. And like your point, like, I, I really think you need to support the companies you're invested in. It's so hard to get excited when you're like... For example, Shark Tank investors and Dragon's Den investors, I use this analogy because I think a lot of people watch these shows. They don't invest in companies they don't like, right? Because how do you get in the morning? At the end of the day, when you're investing, like think about it, when you're investing, you're literally giving a company money because you believe in them. You believe that they're going to do something great and they're going to they're going to grow and they'll provide you with returns because the company you're investing in today is going to be worth you know, it's going to be worth two times, three times, four times as much, you know, a couple years down the road. That's the belief, right? So if you really support that, you get excited about the company. I invest in a company like Under Armour. I get excited about that. I want to wear Under Armour. I don't want to wear Adidas because if I buy one Adidas hat, that's one, that's $5 that could have gone to Under Armour. I know it's small contributions, but I'm just not excited about companies like Adidas or Nike. If anything, I think they're my, they're my enemies. You know, they're my competition because I own Under Armour. Like I literally own the company. Obviously it's a micro fraction, like 0.000, whatever, but I own a little tiny piece, which means don't you want to represent the company that you own? Like I'm sure, you know, if you, you know, if you uh, own your own clothing brand and it gets, you know, it gets huge, like 
the Nike guy, for example, Phil Knight or whatever, what he owns Nike. I'm sure a lot of the clothing he wears is Nike. You know, maybe yeah. he wears Adidas. Maybe I, I'm not 100% sure, but I, I, I could imagine that a lot of the clothes he would wear is, is Nike. And it's the same thing right down to the little guys like you and I who own micro percentages. Yeah, I mean, I guess that does make a lot of sense. Now, seeing online, I mean, it feels like when you look to the future and you look to where you want to put your money, I mean, some of the things that I could see being really big in the future are, you know, environmental technologies, because as, as the world progresses to move more towards environmental, uh, you know, eco-friendly technology and whatnot, I mean, that might be something good to get into now so that when it starts getting huge, 10, 20, even maybe five years from now, you're, you're cashing in on that or space explore, uh, space exploration. I mean, mm-hmm. that's going to be pretty big in the future with, uh, what SpaceX is doing, stuff like that. So do you, uh, do you ever look that far ahead when you're thinking about what you want to put your money into? Yeah. I mean, um, I do. I try to, especially if I'm looking to make a long-term investment at the end of the day, when it comes to investing, it, it, it's different for everybody, right? If you're an 80 year old who has saved up for your entire life and you have it all in your bank account, you're obviously not going to make a major bet on a 30 year down the road play on like water or something like water <laughs> bottling company, I don't, something like that. Um, with, you know, with that same, you know, with that same thought in mind, if you're like 16, 18, 20 years old, again, you're not making really, really long-term plays because you probably want to realize those gains as soon as possible. It all depends who you ask, you know, everybody has a different risk reward tolerance, right? Some people believe that whatever they earn, they don't want to lose. Like you put your, you know, blood, sweat, and tears into the cash that you earn. Like that's yours. You don't want to lose that, which is, which is completely okay. So you would go for a lower risk investment. Some people believe that they, they just want to go big and they want to go for a flyer uh, and they want to go for, for something that has short-term potential. So they wouldn't go for those like environmental stocks, whatever we're talking about, but definitely I, you always want to look there and you always want to look to the future because a lot of what's, you know, what, fundamentally the way the stock market works is it trades based on what's going to happen in the future. Uh, you'll notice things think like companies don't trade based on what happens today and tomorrow. They trade on what's going to happen next week, next month, next year. When, if an article comes out that says airlines are going to return in April, the stock's not going to wait to April to go up. It's going to go up now. And then in April, the news that comes out about October, like that will be what affects the stock in April. So stocks are always looking to the future. So it is important to look down the road to see what could happen today and tomorrow. Now, when you think about investing, who are some of your, your big role models today? Yeah, I mean, Warren, like Warren Buffett has to be, you know, top of the list right there. I think Charlie Munger, who is basically his assistant, he basically uh, gets a lot less credit than Warren for, for his big, um, for his big contribution yeah. Yeah, to, uh, to Berkshire Hathaway. He's, he's been really good. Like I look up to him too. Um, you know, anybody that stands for the things that I, like, I, 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 the, you know, Bill, Bill Ackman is another name that comes to mind. Like he's, he runs a hedge fund too, but there are a lot of guys that just think differently basically. And How about, as, you know, Mark you know, Cuban? as, yeah, I mean, Mark Cuban, again, like another incredible investor, he's made some, you know, tremendous, like I would, yeah, I look up to him all the time. You know, all of these guys, they really try to look for something different. They try to look for something that's innovative, something that's going to change the world. 
um, because that's really how you make, you know, how you make massive gains and how you find the companies that are, that are going to make a difference. Like you, you know, guys like Mark Cuban invest in, in, in these big flyers, these big life-changing brands. And that's something I look at too. Like I, I've learned from them and I've learned how to, you know, do my research and look into those different companies. Now the difference with, you know, investors like that, as opposed to some, a guy like Elon Musk, who, who has had an incredible, incredible history. I mean, with, with PayPal, was it? Yeah. 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 I mean, all these so, great yeah. companies, I mean, the, the things going on in this guy's mind, he's always looking for the next step. Yeah. I mean, space exploration, what space exploration, that's, I mean, space tourism, sorry, space mm-hmm. tourism. That's crazy. Yeah. They got, I mean, he's, he's putting so much money into all these, all these different things, but he's still just profiting so much. And I don't know. I think I, I really look up to a, a guy like that who can also yeah. kind of stay down to earth and, you know, be funny on Twitter and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, not to say not to put anything against Elon or, or Bezos or any of these big guys, but something that really gets overlooked is um, y- your net teams. worth on paper oh, okay. is not, you know, that too, obviously, <laughs> but you, you know, your net worth on paper is, is really not how much money you have in the bank. Yeah. Those right? are just your assets. People seem to think yeah. they see Jeff Bezos attached to this big number and oh, they man. think, Oh, it's... you know, Jeff Bezos, put your money into this, put your money into this. Jeff yeah, Bezos does not have that much money like anywhere. Near, I mean, I looked it up and it said he probably only has like 15, 20 million in the bank. I think that's a little low. I think there's probably more than that in his bank, but I mean, he's, you know, these are, these are things his money is in. I mean, even people, your net worth is not just your money in your bank account. It's your, it's your house. It's every item you own. It's everything that has value in your mm-hmm. life. It's not something you can just liquefy. And even if he did, even if Jeff Bezos were to liquefy all his assets, I mean, that would crush the economy and also oh, put yeah. Like, yeah. like thousands of people out of jobs. I mean, it's not something that it, the money is not something that is just easily transferred here to there. Your dad yeah. actually is an investor, right? Or a financial advisor. Is that kind of how you yeah. got into all this stuff? Uh, I would definitely say so. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm definitely extremely fortunate to be in an environment where, you know, we, we get to talk about things like that because I know that there are a lot of families and a lot of individuals that honestly, they don't know what to do. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate because there's just so much potential that people don't know about. And I like I like genuinely um, wish that everybody had more knowledge about the topic and about you know what they can do and how they can learn more about stocks and how they can learn more about bonds and you know how just straight up bank accounts like you wouldn't believe the number of people that keep their money under their bed or in their drawers because they don't they're scared to give it to the bank or they're scared to invest it and it just it just decreases in value over time like. It's really unfortunate, but I, I really hope that, especially with things like you know these Reddit uh, individuals, like overall um, society will just become more educated. Do you wish there were more lessons in class or more courses in school to teach people about financial literacy? I mean, obviously there's economics, there's there's tons of courses, but I just feel like they're not thorough enough. I mean, they would never teach you all the things you know in a in a high school course. So people maybe need to develop kind of a, a knowledge of the their surroundings and the economic landscape of the world, the, the capitalist world they're in. Do you do you wish there were there were more, uh, you know, 
investment focused courses and whatnot in, in school. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I absolutely agree. And we try, you know, I know that they, they're really trying to push to change the system and because like, it's been pretty bad for the past, you know, number of years because we, we, we teach a lot of fundamental things in school. We learn about a lot of specific, you know, topics. Um, we, you know, we learn about how to get jobs in specific fields and stuff. It's just so many people don't know what to do after that. Right. Like that's a whole important next step. Like what happens after you get the job and, and you get the paycheck coming in or whatever it may be. Uh, I think there's a whole stigma about talking about money. Like, uh, honestly, it just should be, I think it just should be a more, more normal conversation that we have with each other because, um, some people take it way too seriously. Some people don't take it serious enough. It's just, it just should be another aspect of life. And, and yeah, I, I think it, it starts, you know, right at the, right at the bottom, like when it comes to school, like whether that be, you know, elementary school, just the fundamentals of, 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 you know, uh, like money and like $10 to $20 and whatever it may be to, to high school and universities and stuff. I mean, obviously I'm no expert on the school system. I, I can't speak to how, how difficult it would be to make a change like that. So I don't know a hundred percent, but I think just moving uh, towards that is an important, um, uh, is an important way to go. Yeah. Because in our current education system, it's mainly just teaching people how to perform tasks that are already done tasks that, you know, not really giving people a platform to create or, you know, mm-hmm. think just, mm-hmm. just Absolutely. kind of mindlessly follow. I mean, there's the, the great quote, the A students work for the B students, the C students run the businesses and the D students dedicate the buildings. I mean, the school system and testing and the, the way they run it just misses a lot of important things that uh, make, could make people money on the future. And the problem is the people exploiting this lack of financial literacy the most are the investment gurus. God, the stupid yeah. investment gurus. I can, oh my yeah. God, I, I've never hated a group of people more than investment <laughs> gurus on, on YouTube, on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram. Like, oh, yeah. oh hey, look at me, you know, in my garage. It's like, <laughs> quiet, man. I mean, it's a scam. Like, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the investment gurus? Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is nobody's an expert, you know? What, look, this is something Jeff Bezos has said for a long time. Um, if you're up in a stock, like if you're up 50%, are you going to feel 50% smarter? What, when you're down 50%, are you going to feel 50% dumber? Like some of these guys, you know, think they know a couple things or two and they're the, you know, jack of all trades. Again, myself, I don't think I know. I'm scratching the surface. Like I'm not giving myself any credit. If anything, I know nothing compared to all of these individuals. I'm just trying to do my part and educate as many people as possible because it's, it's something that a lot of people don't know about. And, you know, when we talk about these guys, like these investment gurus and everyone that's trying to trying to sell their services, like that's exactly what they're doing. You know, they're just trying to make a quick buck here and there, you know, whatever knowledge they have, they basically want to exploit you by, you know, by giving it to you for, for a commission or whatever. It's pretty ironic. It's like their, their, their whole thing, their message is that come here, I'll teach you how to manipulate to get money. Mm-hmm. which is ironically mm-hmm. exactly what they're doing to you. I mean, how could you ever fall for that? They're manipulating you to make money while branding it as teaching. I mean, do you really want to even pay a guy who you know, prides himself in knowing how to, how to manipulate money to gain profit? I mean, it seems yeah. pretty obvious that yeah. this is just a system to make you lose money and make them gain money. I mean, uh, 
all of it yeah. is it's such a stupid it, just occurrence. Yeah, I mean, and it really goes to show why people don't know enough because of stuff like this, like people like this that aren't truly educating anybody. And it's almost gets so confusing. Like to one, what, what a lot of these, like, you know, these Wall Street guys say um, and what these people who are educating others on the stock market is, is that a lot of these terms we talk about, these short positions, hedge funds, you know, options trading, it's all, it's all made up garbage by these guys who don't want normal people to understand, right? Like it's complicated, like straight up, like it's totally normal. If you don't understand what option trading is, if you don't know what calls are, if you don't know what puts are, if you don't know what shorts are, hedge fund, like that, you should, like nobody expects you to know what those are because nobody teaches you what those are, you know? And they, they basically have just made up all these terms to keep it away from the normal you and I's because you know what happens when people like you and I get into this stuff and get into the investing and start working they lose together. Money. We get a piece we of the pie. We saw it today. Yeah, we saw it. Like we we saw it today. We we've seen it for the past week, and it's gonna keep going for the next you know next couple of weeks. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I I guess that it's that corrupt. really does. Yeah, that goes yeah. to show how bad of a system it is. And I mean, you can blame capitalism. You can blame all the greediness, the greedy nature of humanity. It's just, yeah, it's it's not a great thing. I I also don't like how closed it is. Uh, they don't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not super open. I wish y- you could you could see it a bit more. You could see what they're all doing back there. But uh, I mean, it is it is what it is. Now you've told me in the past that uh, you wanted to be an angel investor when you grow up. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So honestly, any, any career, you know, in, in finance and in business has always interested me. I think something that's unique about angel investing is that, you know, from my perspective, you know, you really get the opportunity to, to see new and innovative companies from a young age, right? Like the, what an angel investor basically is, is somebody who has, uh, who, who's looking to invest in uh, small companies who need, you know, an injection of capital. Um, it's hard to become an angel investor because you need capital. So you need to build up wealth over time. Uh, but when you do, you're basically sharing it with others. Like you, you, it's almost like a mini shark tank where, you know, companies will come to you. Tons of companies need angel investors. In fact, more, there are more companies looking for angel investors than actual investors. Like there's a need um, because there are so many companies. And at the end of the day, some of the biggest names that you know, we talk about the Mark Cubans, you know, we, we talk about uh, the Warren Buffetts and all these guys. They didn't make their, their wealth by investing in Apple, you know, three years ago. They made their wealth by investing in, 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 in Bitcoin when it was in concept stages, in Apple when it was in a garage, when it was like in a garage with like two computers. That, at the end of the day, that's when you can realize extreme gains. That's when you can see, you know, because at that point, the company isn't even public, right? An angel investor doesn't, doesn't you know, normally invest primarily in public companies. They just invest in startups. It's risky, big time. But if you can take the risk, you can gain like 20% of a, like of a company, right? Like Warren Buffett's, uh, like whatever, Warren Buffett's whole portfolio, like they own a huge stake in Apple, you know, worth billions. And so if you can, if you, let's say like you invested 20% of Tesla, you know, when they were, when they were drawing sketches of the vehicles in the garage, you know, like, what does that turn into? Um, so that's, I, I, I would think that like that career would be a dream for any, anybody into finance. 
Um, but there's tons of different directions you can go into. I just find that really interesting because, you know, you really get that early opportunity with, uh, with companies at a young, you know, young stages. Yeah. I mean, the, the stages you mentioned, you know, in working when there's just a few drawings of a product or just a few, uh, graphs, just a few things to give you a look on what this product might be. Whereas on Shark Tank, these are products that have, you know, gotten revenue, they've gotten their product on shelves. It's, it's mm-hmm. a completely mm-hmm. different thing. I mean, those, I mean, you're not going to bring some guy in a sketchbook to Mark Cuban at this point. Oh. I mean, he's got so much money. Oh, he wants yeah, to put absolutely. it in something that has a built, uh, you know, a nice base. Whereas yeah, yeah. someone like an angel investor would, uh, would be looking to even even more bones and skeleton companies that don't really have much going as of right now, but they see a future in which, I mean, I think that's a pretty admirable profession uh, in terms of giving people money to do what they do, something that they think can change the world instead of, you know, just making money. I mean, these are products that you think will revolutionize like Apple did and like, mm-hmm. like Tesla did, like all this, all these, all these big companies nowadays if you could say, uh, you know, a few things, because I I know there's a lot of people who are looking at all this, hearing about all these, all the news, seeing all all these people making money, making their money make money, and you know, profiting from just sitting down. What do you have to say to people who are hesitant on pulling the trigger and and putting some of their money? Do you have any any words of encouragement? Any any tips? Any thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the first thing I would say is, is that's completely normal. Like there's, there's a reason to be hesitant and you should be, it's human, you know, like if you went right in and put your whole life savings into, you know, anything that you don't know about there, you know, you should be scared. Um, But what you need to understand is there's levels of risk, right? Like there's high degrees of risk and there's low degrees of risk and you can really enter at any point you so feel comfortable with. And even if that means just going into a, you know, a, a checking account at 0.25 interest, that's better than nothing. And even if that means just, you know, dipping your toes into some bank shares and diversifying yourself, right? If you diversify properly, you really can't lose because when it comes to diversification, if one guy goes down, you have 60 others to keep you up, right? So people talk about investing in indexes. Investing in indexes is one of the safest bets you can make because if we look at the past 25 to 30 years, the index has just gone up slowly, slowly, because it's a collection of the biggest companies in the United States. You know, if we look at the Dow Jones, there are tons tons of indexes you can invest in. The two biggest we talk about are the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is a collection of 30 stocks. The S&P 500 is a collection of 500 stocks. You can invest in those indexes. That's a very low risk investment. The only way for your investment really to go to zero, if you invest in an index like that, is for the entire US economy to collapse uh, or or like an apocalypse. Like, I I don't know, like something crazy to shut everything down. (laughs) It's unlikely. But if that were to happen, I think there would be major, uh, uh, you know, a lot bigger implications than your, your index fund going down. But Either way, the risk is low. There's, there's low risk and there's high risk. And, you know, taking small steps and educating yourself is so important because you have to beat inflation. You have to beat the cash sitting under the bed because it's doing nothing for you there. Uh, so just, you know, stepping in is, is so important. And obviously in an in investment with high risk, 
also comes high reward. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, the risk and is only really high if the risk is only as high as the amount of money you'll make back potentially. In, in my view, I mean, if if it's really like, if it's if you really think that this very small, insignificant company can do really big things, I mean, I, I don't think their shares would be that expensive. You wouldn't really be losing that much money. But yeah, uh, that, in turn, if they do really well, then you'd be making an incredible amount of money. Yeah, absolutely. And like what you have to remember is if you truly invest in a good company with strong fundamentals, they're like they are on your side. They want to grow too, just as much as you. It's not like it's not like you're at war with someone else and they're fighting against your funds. You're on board for the ride, you know? And that could be a really bumpy ride. But it could also be a pretty smooth sale, depending on who we're talking about. Like if you if you invest in just a standard bank, you know, we could have a whole discussion about banks now. But you know, traditionally, banks are the safe investment. Um, and I don't mean putting your um, your money into like a savings account or a checking account. I mean just straight up buying like a stock of like Bank of America or Scotia Bank or TD Bank, like BMO. All these guys have shares. It's a pretty safe bet, and you better bet that those guys are going to work hard to to make you returns like they're on your side everyone's fighting for you right so i mean that's 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 a good thing matthew i want to thank you for coming on the podcast today and uh sharing your your views and your knowledge i'm sure you know i found it personally to be really interesting because this this whole uh wall street bet situation has been rattling me sure but also just the entire idea of uh investing in the stock market and and trading i think it's pretty clear that you know what you're talking about uh so once again thank you for coming on guys if you're listening and you thought that this was you know interesting please let me know and let me know if you want me to bring matthew back and talk about maybe some other things that you might want to know about uh drop a like and a subscription thank you guys for watching matthew thank you for being on i appreciate it thank you so much i mean this is such an important thing to talk about and i I appreciate you having me here today No worries. See you guys next time on informal education. Peace.